and welcome to All About Fitness. Fad diets, flushes, detoxes, eliminations, all those self-styled experts on social media. There's so much information, actually so much misinformation about nutrition, it's hard to know who to trust to give the best advice for your needs. At All About Fitness, we don't believe in fads for either fitness or nutrition. So when it comes to the topic of how you should be fueling your body so that you can achieve all of your exercise goals, we always look for experts credentialed by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Formerly called Registered Dietitians, they are now referred to as Registered Dietitian Nutritionists and are the recognized authority for providing healthy, evidence-based nutrition advice. Today's guest on All About Fitness is a longtime friend. We met many years ago when she took my fitness classes at a health club in D.C., and we have stayed in touch as both our careers and families have grown. Frances Largeman Roth is not only an RDN, but she's a spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, the organization that credentials registered dietitian nutritionists. And besides being the author of four different books on nutrition and cooking, Frances is a frequent guest on national TV talk shows and was a former director of nutrition for Health Magazine. So today on All About Fitness, we're talking all about nutrition with Frances Largeman Roth. Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. But first, a brief word from the sponsors of All About Fitness. Skills is a sponsor of All About Fitness. Skills makes products for all phases of the workout, from warm-up to speed, agility, strength, and most importantly, recovery. No matter what your fitness goal, Skills has a product to meet your need. Use code PM30 for a 30% discount on your order. Skills, fitness and performance products. Be ready. www.sklz.com Vicor Fitness is the maker of the new TerraCore, which is a step, bench, balance trainer, and multifaceted exercise tool combined into one single platform. Go to vicorefitness.com to see the newest piece of equipment that will be taking the fitness industry by storm in 2017. Use the code AAF to save 20% on purchasing a TerraCore of your own. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Vicor Fitness. Better results from better products. Active Motion Bar is the first resistance training bar where 30% of the weight is a moving mass. An active motion bar can help you strengthen your fascia and elastic connective tissue as well as your muscle, which is important for staying injury-free during the aging process. Research has found that exercising with an active motion bar can be up to 170% more effective than using traditional weighted bars. Active motion bar, let the resistance move you. www.activ motionbar.com All right, we're here today all about fitness with uh, Ms. Francis Largeman Roth, a dietitian uh, dietitian expert out of uh, I guess dietitian expert, <laughs> nutrition expert out of uh, the Brooklyn area of New York City. Francis, can you give us a little background on what it is that you do? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm a mom of three, so that's a big part of what I do. But I also run a small private practice and see private nutrition clients. And I also do spokesperson work for uh, 
food companies that make healthy products and they want to get the message out about their healthy products. Um, a lot of those are sort of mom brands, um, products that are specifically to meet a family's needs or a kid's needs. And, um, I also write, so I'm a contributor to today.com, which is the today shows website as well as cooking light magazine. Cool. And you have a couple of cookbooks out, correct? I do. So my very first book is called Feed the Belly, The Pregnant Mom's Healthy Eating Guide. And that is more of a roadmap for all the different um, nutrients that women need when they're expecting, as well as ways to navigate morning sickness and all that fun stuff that comes along with pregnancy. And then I'm the co-author of The Carb Lover's Diet, which I co-authored when I was at Health Magazine. I was there as the food director for eight years. And then my most recent book is Eating in Color. And that came out about two years ago, and I'm working on the next one. Cool. So do you have any idea when uh, the next one will be out? Oh, gosh. Well, first I have to sell it, Pete. (laughs) It takes – unfortunately, it still takes about two years to get a book out. So I'm hoping that it will be out in 2019. Okay. And because, yeah, I I have a copy of Eating in Color, so I want to ask you about that and uh, the relevance of that. Because what I try to do on the podcast is speak about – all aspects of fitness. And obviously when it comes to nutrition, nutrition is an important component of fitness because exercise is energy expenditure and you can't have quality exercise unless you have quality nutrition. I mean, do you, how involved are you in, in terms of the exercise component of that? I, mean, I know you're an exercise enthusiast yourself, but how much, how much of a role do you see exercise playing in somebody's eating plan? Well, I mean, I always encourage folks um, to kind of keep it all in balance, and most of my private clients do exercise. So I work with them on an individual basis to make sure that they're taking in enough nutrients at the right time to maximize their workouts because, you know, as you know, um, for busy professionals, it's really hard to fit in those workouts. And so they really have to kind of max out the time that they're working out and then also maximize what's on their plate. That's a a good point. I mean, I'm going to come back to that a little bit later um, because I think, you know, to tie it into exercise, it's just always kind of interesting to see how the two juxtapose and the two work with one another. Because the one thing you you often hear people say is the results happen in the kitchen. Has that been your experience? Do you, do you see working with clients that once you help them adjust their, their food and their nutrition, that they start to really get the results from their workouts? I do. And I think that they're, you know, and we'll probably get to this later in the conversation, but for folks who are in, you know, certainly teenagers and then people in their twenties, they can almost eat whatever they want <laughs> Yeah. Um, in terms of being able to perform. Right. They, they can they can still run fast. They can still jump high. They can still do all these amazing things with their body, even if they're not putting in the ideal nutrient mix. But as they age, that cannot continue to happen. And so they really have to start people who've never really thought about what they're eating really by the time they're in their early thirties need to start taking a closer look because they're going to find that they're not performing as well at the gym anymore or out there on the track if they're not eating properly and, um, getting the right mix of nutrients. And so what do you think is, what do you think the most common mistakes are that, that come to nutrition? Where where do you see most people making like the, the errors in terms of their, their dietary habits? 
Well, there are a lot of mistakes that, that people make. And one, especially around this time of year, you know, this sort of um, New Year's time is that they they don't like the way they're feeling and maybe they don't like the way they're looking either. And so they're going to go for the magic bullet. And so they read about a detox diet or they see a detox diet advertised and they say, yeah, that sounds good. Maybe I can lose six pounds in a week or six pounds in 10 days. And gosh, that sounds good too. You know, I'll be eating or I'll be drinking all these, um, green veggies and I'm sure that that's good for me. So, um, those, those quick fix plans never work long-term. So you might have some quick results at the beginning, but it's not going to, it's just not sustainable. So, um, I think for people to find something that's sustainable, it's almost kind of boring, right? Because it's something that you have to do pretty much every day. It's, it's every day. It's a lifestyle change. It's not, um, it's not a diet. It's not a quick fix. It's not a 30 day, you know, restart or anything like that. Um, there is some value sometimes in kind of, um, you know, going through your fridge and, and throwing stuff out that's not good for you and kind of feeling like you're doing some kind of, um, detox or jumpstart. But, um, but it boils down to eating a mix of nutrients, eating things in moderation. I, I really look at it as kind of an 80, 20, um, kind of eating plan. So 80% of what you should be putting in your body, uh, should be nutrient rich whole foods, you know, all the good stuff, the protein, the fruits and veggies, the good fats. And then the 20%, that's, that's the fun stuff, you know, and none of us want to live without a little bit of the fun stuff, right? The champagne, the birthday cake, the chocolate, um, those kinds of things, but you need to get that balance going. And really that is what's going to help you for long-term health and long-term disease prevention. And, and that, you know, the one thing that, cause that's where I, I see people coming into it and making a lot of mistakes too, Francis, is a lot of people think, well, I'm going to do this plan. I'm going to do this short term and do this diet. And it's, they don't realize they need to implement it long-term, but is there a benefit? You kind of alluded to this, but is there a benefit to doing, if somebody thinks they might have some sort of food allergy, and I know there's been a lot of information about celiac disease and gluten intolerance. Is there a benefit to doing an elimination diet and working with a a dietitian to kind of identify if you may be intolerant or may have any food um, allergies? Is that that something that could help people identify the best plan? Sure, sure. And, and those things are real and those things are absolutely valid. And, you know, unfortunately, I know at least a handful of people who have had Lyme disease. Maybe they didn't know it. Maybe they had it for many, many years. And then because of the Lyme, see, Lyme disease, that triggered a gluten intolerance um, and other intolerances, you know, maybe a dairy intolerance as well. So elimination diets can be good for identifying um, a, a culprit that's in your diet, something that you've been eating a lot of, that's just not making you feel good. So absolutely that can, that can work. And you do need to do that for at least 30 days. Okay. And then how does that, um, and then just kind of, we'll swing back to, to eating in color, but I think this is a, a good, a good topic. How does like, if I, if I am eating something, if, if somebody's eating something that their body is allergic to, what's the immediate reaction or, or how does that if, affect their, um, their weight gain and, and their overall just body, you know, their overall body chemistry. 
Well, it can really kind of manifest in different ways, right? So for something that's, you know, a peanut allergy, that would be, that could be anaphylactic shock, that could be welts, that could be, you know, something that's very dramatic that you'd probably be running to the doctor for. But, you know, people can have milder issues, anything from headaches, um, and I shouldn't say milder because these are still very worrisome, troublesome, but, you know, they're not going to send you to the hospital. Headaches, um, inflammation, joint pain, and then obviously there could be some indigestion, stomach disruption, um, diarrhea, that kind of that kind of thing. So that's why if you are going to try to pinpoint something in your diet, you should also do a food diary along with it. And the food diary isn't just, this is what I ate. It's also, this is how I felt, you know, half an hour after I ate. Um, so a lot of times people don't, you know, we're so busy, we don't kind of put two and two together. So you really need to be documenting what you're eating and then how it makes you feel to, to really determine if there is something going on. And honestly, you can develop, a person can develop a food allergy or, you know, an allergy to anything at any point in life. You know, I um, developed an allergy to hibiscus, which was kind of odd in in my late thirties. And, um, you know, I had welts from having hibiscus and I had never been allergic to it before. So, you know, we don't really know why these things happen, but it is good to to catch them and uh, and then you can alter your diet around them. And now for for listeners, I've known Francis. Francis and I have a relationship going back probably more years than we'd care to, to uh, acknowledge um, when we knew when we both worked in uh, Washington, D.C. And so I, I've seen her, you know, we, we both knew each other um, w- way back when at the same health club. And one of the things that, that Fran- I know Francis has always been involved with is being a spokes, uh, spokeswoman for, formerly it was the American uh, Dietetics Association, correct? Has that changed? I want to ask you a little bit about that and kind of the qualification for being, because I know there's been a couple changes in, in, in the ADA and and the qualification for being, not necessarily the qualification for being a dietitian, but what um, dietitians are calling themselves. Can you give us a little bit of background? Yeah, you're right, Pete. So when I, when I knew you back in D.C., I called myself a registered dietitian, or RD. And, you know, we were always taking pains to say that we were RDs, registered dietitians, not nutritionists, because anybody could call themselves a nutritionist. So the person working at the local health food store and selling supplements could legally call themselves a nutritionist. But then over the years, as people sort of, um, as the word dietetics and dietitian sort of started having a negative connotation, it felt restrictive, it felt clinical, the Academy, and actually it used to be, um, well, it's now the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. It used to be the American Dietetic Association. So they wanted to get that word nutrition, you know, in under our auspices so that we could kind of, um, be more attractive to the folks who were more interested in nutrition. So now we can call ourselves either RD, which is the, the sort of the older term or, Registered dietitian nutritionist. So that's what I use. It's, so it's RDN. And is that is that what people should be looking for when they look for somebody to work with um, on nutrition? Like if somebody wants to want some help getting their diet in order or, or finding out if they might have a food intolerance? Absolutely, because we are the only group that goes through clinical training and does a dietetic internship that um, 
they, they generally last for about a year. Um, so if you, you know, if you see a wellness coach, if you see somebody who's a certified, I think maybe they could be nutrition coaches, those folks do have some training, but these are not RDNs. These are not, um, you know, people who have gone through this very rigorous training, which involves not only clinical, but also community dietetics, as well as some sort of work in the community, um, and also with food service. So, you know, we're kind of, we, we are, we are the people to go to for anything that relates to nutrition, diet, um, you know, any kind of eating disorders, but obviously we specialize in different things. So I don't specialize in eating disorders, but you can find a dietitian out there who does. And, and that's important. And I wanted to kind of go down that thread for a moment because there's so especially in this day and age, this proliferation of internet trainers and Instagram fitness experts. Um, I really want people to understand that if you're looking for solid nutrition advice, you, it's worth looking up a registered dietitian. And you said RDN is reg, registered dietitian nutritionist. Correct. Okay, so I'm gonna have that. I'm gonna have the uh, website. It's eatright.org, and I'll have that link down below in the show notes. Now, to, to change gears a little bit, I want to get into your book, um, "Eating Eating in Color," because I really think this is you know the one thing I've always appreciated um, about speaking with you over the years is your very straightforward kind of no nonsense approach. And you know, you walked me through a couple of uh, fad diets a number of years ago. It kind of broke them down for me, and I found that very helpful. So, what is um, how did you come up with the concept of eating in color? Well, when my oldest daughter, who's now almost eight, was about two and a half, she was, she was getting into this very beige, um, phase. And so every, all the foods that she wanted to eat were sort of tan or brown. She, she liked chicken and cheese and pasta, and those are all perfectly fine foods, but she was rejecting all of the colorful stuff. She was not eating her vegetables. She was not eating a whole lot of fruit. And as a, as a nutritionist and as a mom, that just did not feel right. And I thought, okay, what am I going to do to get this kid to eat more color? And I realized that for kids, you're never, you're never going to win them over by saying, sweetie, you should really eat your broccoli because it's going to make you healthy and strong. That just is, they don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm giggling because uh, yeah, that, that I am very familiar with that, uh, that arm wrestling match in, in the evenings. Yeah, that's not going to work. But I realized that she had a competitive streak, which she still has. And I said, okay, you know what? Why don't we see how many colors we can get on your plate? Or can you get more colors on your plate than your brother? You know, so, um, you can, you can use their personalities kind of to your advantage and, and sort of, they manipulate you, Pete, so you can <laughs> manipulate them. And I realized that this didn't all, this didn't only work for kids. If you make a plate beautiful and now, you know, Instagram is, everybody's doing it on Instagram. If you make the food look beautiful and inviting, people are more likely to eat it, whether they're a kid or an adult. So I wanted to create a beautiful cookbook, but that was all about eating more fruits and vegetables because most of us do not get enough. It's something like 77% of us don't get enough fruits and veggies every day. So if we can just add a little bit more color every day and start working it into our meals and our snacks, um, we are going to be doing so much for our long-term health. And again, a kid doesn't care about their long-term health, but they do care 
if a smoothie is pink and pretty and, you know, it's fun to drink it. So there are different ways to kind of attack the beast. And, and in Eating in Color, the whole book is organized by color. So there's a red, orange, yellow, green, etc. chapter. And I show people how to integrate these different colorful foods into their diet. And, um, it's been really, it's been really a fun, it was a a really fun book to work on. And then it's a really fun message to continue to spread to people. Well, I like it. Um, two things. I like that. I like the simplistic message because we can, we can identify that's an easy kind of rule to follow to put more color on the plate. But I want to come back to a second, um, for the visual appeal. I mean, one of the things that, you know, we've gotten into, in the last number of years is going out for nice dinners. And, um, and there's always, it, it never occurred to me before Francis about the plating of food. It was just mm-hmm. always like, you put something in front of me and I'm like a jailhouse inmate. I'm just going to shovel it in. But I, you know, as I've gotten a little bit more mature and a little more refined, I can definitely appreciate going out to a fine restaurant, a nice dinner and, and the effort that, that a chef puts into plating the food. Is there, is there a benefit of a visually stimulating food? Is there some sort of, and I don't know the answer, I don't know the answer to this question, but is there some sort of like, if you're, if your eyes see something pleasing, is that somehow beneficial to us, you know, in a health way, in a healthy way? Absolutely. I mean, we, we eat with our eyes before we eat with our mouths and you know, you're absolutely right. If you're just ravenous, you can sit down and eat a plate of whatever and, and not really pay attention to it. But I think especially with kids, they really, they love bright colors and they love things that look fun. And so, you know, I don't know, um, I'm not a neurologist. I can't tell you what's going on with the brain, but certainly different colors are triggering different parts of the brain. And, um, it does play into the whole experience of eating the meal. So just like slowing down, using a fork and a knife, having a conversation, is one way to experience food that's very different than just sitting down by yourself very quickly and just eating to sort of, you know, consume food and fill your stomach. Um, you know, that's, that's the difference between sort of paying attention to what's on the plate and not. And, and that's kind of how I've, I've noticed it is that when you do go out and you do have a nice meal, you definitely tend to get more enjoyment out of that. And now from a, from a nutrition standpoint, um, from, from your you know training and, and education as a dietitian and nutritionist, what are the benefits of eating a color? I mean, you, you said your book is organized by the different colors and like, what are the benefits of, of eating with, with the reds and the greens and the, and the oranges, you know, how, how does that benefit us, you know, from a health standpoint? Well, variety. Variety is not just the spice of life. Variety is also very important in nutrition because, hey, kale is great. I love kale. It's awesome. However, if that's all you eat, if that is the only color that you're getting is from kale, then you're getting only a certain set of nutrients. You're not getting the complete um, sort of, you know, spectrum that's out there. So for example, red foods tend to be, many red foods tend to be rich in potassium, which is great for your heart. And then if you look at orange foods, many of them, and these, I'm talking about produce, right? Just, you know, fruits and vegetables, many of them tend to be very rich in beta carotene. So again, if you were just, you know, eating a whole bunch of orange colored stuff, 
it would be, you know, those foods do provide nutrients, but it's only one set. So you really need to be striving to eat the rainbow. And it doesn't have to be over the course of a day. You know, it's more over the course of a week that you want to be getting all these different colors in. And then what are, um, you know, do different colors, different colored foods, you mentioned a little bit about the different types of nutrients. And what are your general rules? I mean, how do you suggest people you know, organize, you know, their, their diet or organize their, their intake. You know, I really don't like using the D word, but how do you suggest people plan for food, you know, using the color guide? Well, I mean, use what you have on hand. Um, and I think what's unfortunate is that a lot of us are buying these things. We're just not eating them. They sit in the, the produce bin, um, or the, you know, we have a, a bowl of fruit. You have to actually consume it. So, you have to make it easy for yourself and easy for those other members of your family. So, um, you know, I like to spend a little time on Sunday, but you know, it's whatever day of the week works for you where you have a little bit of extra time where I'm going to take the pineapple, I'm going to cut it up and I'm going to cut it up for me into pieces that are small enough for my kids so that I can then on Monday morning package it into three little plastic containers for them to take to school with them. Um, so it's actually, you, you got to have the stuff around, but then you have to actually put it to work for you. So, um, you know, certainly something like blueberries, blueberries are super easy, you know, just rinse them, package them up and go strawberries. You have to do a little bit of work too. Um, for most people, fruits are easier, right? Cause they're sweet and they're a little bit more familiar for many of us growing up. Maybe we didn't have access to really nice produce, really nice vegetables. Um, maybe we didn't have salads for dinner, things like that. So that is generally more of a stumbling block for folks. Um, but I say make it easy. And, and yes, you are going to pay more for a packaged salad that's been triple washed, that's ready to go than you are if you, you know, just buy a a bunch or like a head of lettuce. However, if you're eating it, that is the benefit. You have to actually eat it. So if you're not, if if you're going to buy that head of lettuce and then never do anything with it, then it's not going to do you any good. So it's better, you know, in my opinion, it's better to pay a little bit more for the stuff that is really kind of convenient and ready to go. Because if it actually gets you to eat it, I just found this new product that is, um, it's the, it's washed produce in a bowl, like something that you'd find, um, like pre-washed kale in, but then there's also, um, a packet of sauce or dressing, and then you actually microwave it, which I know sounds like, oh, that's maybe not the best way to go, but you're if you're actually going to eat that, then that's great. Then you have this beautiful, you know, butternut squash and kale combination with flavor on it. Because even though people now know that they should be eating healthier, I do think, and I do think that the trend is going that way. Things still have to taste good. Yeah. And, and on that question, what is the best way? Cause I've heard, you know, a number of different things and, and sometimes, you know, my wife and I will, will discuss this, you know, what is the best way to prepare like vegetables? Like in terms of, is it best to have them raw? I mean, cause I've heard that if you cook or overcook vegetables, you kind of, um, you're at risk of, you know, killing the nutritional value. And is that one of those myths or is there something to that? Well, I think the thing that is tough is that they're all a little bit different. So for example, the beta carotene in carrots is actually more 
more absorbable once they've been cooked okay and when they're raw um but you know for example arugula arugula i mean you can eat it a little wilted but you don't really want to cook it it is best eaten when it's raw for most nutrients sorry for most vegetables they do have water soluble vitamins in them so you don't want to boil them and um, so therefore sauteing steaming and you know a lot of people don't like to use their microwave but microwaving actually as long as you don't overdo it um, and you're just doing it for the appropriate amount of time is actually a great way to retain the nutrients because you don't have to cook it in a large amount of water you're generally just adding a little bit of water which then steams the vegetables so uh, but they are they are all a little bit different. Some of them, it's actually a benefit to cook them. Um, but yeah, generally, you don't want to boil. That's not the way to go. Okay, and that's because I think yeah, get that you know, we've I'm sure other people have had that discussion. You hear certain things, and you certainly want to want to invest the money in food, and then find out you're preparing it wrong. And I was kind of giggling as you're describing that about you know buying the veggies because I kind of feel the same way about household cleaning products. I I'll buy cleaning products, and I'm like, wait, why doesn't the house get clean? And then I realized, oh, yeah, you have to use them. So if you buy veggies, it's, it's one thing. If, if people are buying more fruits and vegetables, good. They're, they're start, you're, making a, you're starting to get into a healthier habit. You're making healthier decisions. But you're, to, to your point, I think it's kind of funny that it's not enough just to buy them and then throw them on the counter or throw them in the, in the, um, in the, in the drawer in the refrigerator. you got to actually use them and get them involved. Now, is, is your approach, is eating in color, is this a good strategy for weight loss? And, and how, how could this strategy help people you know, with if they have any specific weight loss goals? Sure. So, you know, it wasn't constructed to result in, in weight loss. It was really more about the health aspect of it. However, if you are swapping out things that don't have any color, you know, if you're swapping out chips and, you know, muffins and other processed foods, and you're putting in colorful fruits and vegetables instead, then I would I would probably guarantee that there is going to be some weight loss benefit because um, most fruits and vegetables are very low in calories, especially the green ones are super, super low in calories, but they're filling, you know, because they have fiber in them. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're basically you're basically cutting calories just by swapping in produce. And, and actually, one thing on that too, Francis, uh, you know, I have a professor that from San Diego State that comes on regularly, and in one of our discussions, he talked about the thermic effects of food. That if you're eating high fiber food, you're actually you know you can actually have a zero calorie gain, or there's you know very little because your body's expending the energy to digest the high fiber. Is that is that an accurate assessment of it? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rely on that too much. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think, I, but but yeah, just it just means that they, whereas yeah. your body's going to be expending energy to break down a high fiber food, whereas if you eat a processed food with about the same caloric value, it might not. You're not going to have the same thermic effect. Right, and in fact, they they've just relooked at the nutritional content of different types of nuts, walnuts, pistachios, and almonds, and they've actually come out lower in calories than was previously thought. And um, I think, you know, part of that is just the the sheer fact that you have to break these things down. You know, you've got to chew them up um, before you can digest them. But um, yeah, if you, if you go back to that 80-20 rule, you know, 
things that are not out of a package or maybe they're out of a package, but they're still whole, you know, think of something like an almond that is what should be making up 80% of our diets. Um, and that's hard because we're, we're ever more on the go, right? So it's, that's why it kind of comes back to doing a little bit of prep work and, you know, I'm not going to say that it's easy because I certainly have days where I'm like, really, I just, <laughs> can't we just order a pizza? Yeah. Uh, you know, you sort of run out of steam when you got kids and, uh, deadlines and all this kind of stuff. But I know that for myself, gosh, I feel so much better after I eat a meal that I've prepared with healthy ingredients than I do after, you know, almost any other kind of meal. Um, even if it's a high quality restaurant meal. So, um, it is an investment, but so is fitness, right? So is taking that 60 minutes a day or 45 minutes a day to do something good for your body. And they really go hand in hand and they really do add up to long-term health benefits. And that, that's, you know, that's important for people to pay attention to because then I think when you make the food, I think you tend to, you probably eat less of it because of the whole process involved. Now, one of the things that you do, you know, that you have listed on your your website that I want to ask you about because I, because I love the concept of this is you will sometimes give grocery tours and go on grocery tours with clients. When you do that and when you go to a grocery store, what do you, what do you point out? How do you help people learn how to shop? What are some tips that you can share? Well, that's, you know, that's a very individual kind of experience, I should say, because I do have clients who I've done this with and they say, look, (laughs) I don't cook, but I do have to shop for food because, you know, I I have kids, but I'm not going to cook. So show me what I can get from the salad bar that I can then go home and sort of create a meal out of. So sometimes that's literally what we do. We go over to the salad bar or you can imagine in a store like Whole Foods, there's a, that's a lot of items, you know, and we kind of go through and I'll say, well, this is really yummy, but this tends to be high in sodium. But you could, you know, if you made the base, um, of just leafy green vegetables, then you could put this on top. You could add your hard boiled egg. You could add some edamame, you know, and try to show them how they could put a balanced bowl together, even if they're really not cooking. Um, but for example, maybe I am shopping with a, um, a pregnant mom an expecting mom. So I would take her through and I would point out products that help her actually meet her nutrient needs. So, um, you know, calcium, protein, omega-3 fatty acids, choline, you know, maybe things that she has never thought about before and, um, kind of, you know, take her down the aisles and show her what is going to help her meet those needs. So it's really tailored to the individual, but, um, you know, new products are coming out all the time and we tend to just, buy what we know, you know, kind of shop the same stuff that we, that we always have. So I really try to kind of, um, especially for parents, I really try to point out the things that are time savers that are also going to help them feed their families well. And that, and that's important. And on that note, I know you've long been a proponent of organic foods. Are there, is it really, is it really that much of a difference to pay a little bit extra for an organic food for an organic food source? Well, <clears throat> I really think that it's important to shop organic for dairy and for meat. You know, that's the, that's kind of my main, the main stuff that I do for my family that, um, you know, I'd say 90% of what we buy in those two categories is organic. 
Um, and then, you know, certainly the environmental working group has their dirty dozen and, you know, it is smart to buy organic for, for those fruits and vegetables that really do have high pesticide levels. But let me get back to the point that I just want people to eat more fruits and vegetables. So I would rather have them eat an apple. You know, I don't care where the apple is from as long as they're eating an apple. Now, if they want to, if they have the means to buy organic apples um, and still eat them and still eat a lot of them, that is fantastic. But, you know, everybody has a different budget out there. And I just, um, I would hate to see people not taking in the nutrients that they need to be and the fiber that they need to be and, uh, and all the other stuff that goes along with fruits and vegetables because they don't feel that they can afford organic. And I know that's been the big issue. And I think that's one of the, you know, the, the, the former first lady, I think did a tremendous job raising awareness of food deserts and, and what people can do to kind of overcome that. Um, and so I think that's been, been something that's been, you know, people are paying more attention to now, specifically, especially in certain underserved areas. Um, it, it, so finally, kind of, you, you touched on this earlier and we're getting ready to wrap up here because I really, I appreciate your time and, and I, and I respect it. Um, what I want to talk about though, just to kind of get your, your, your input in is how do our nutrition needs change as we age? I mean, you started off saying that we can kind of get away with eating whatever we want when we're teens and twenties, but as we get into our thirties, forties and beyond, how should we be paying attention and, and what should we be doing with our nutrition to kind of help, you know, kind of minimize the effects of aging? Well, I was thinking about this, Pete, as I was rolling after my run earlier today and rolling, you know, using a foam roller or, you know, whatever um, trigger point ball, that that kind of thing. That's something that I never would have thought to do. <laughs> yeah. Even maybe five years ago. And now if I don't do that, I really, I really pay. I really, you know, um, I'm in pain if I'm not stretching and taking the time. So it's the same thing with nutrition. Um, You just can't kind of coast by and eat whatever you want to eat and still think that you can perform well. I would say, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that people can perform well athletically into their fifties, you know, all the way up to, I don't know, maybe early sixties, if they are really taking good care of their bodies. So, um, you do need to pay attention to your antioxidant intake. So this goes back to eating in color because, you know, every day we're assaulted by free radicals in the environment. And then when you exercise, exercise is good for the body, but it also does create free radicals. And so what the antioxidants do is they come in and they're, they're, you know, they're like the housekeeper. They come in, they clean everything up and get all the bad stuff out of there. So, um, the more you exercise, the more you need antioxidants. And then, you know, as we get older, we need them even more because we're, we're breaking down faster. So, um, and also antioxidants do not have a long shelf life, so they don't stay in, or I should say half life, not shelf life. Um, they don't stay in the body very long. That's why you need the daily influx of them. Also, omega-3 fatty acids, which are so important for the heart, they also work as an anti-inflammatory. So um, they're important to have because, you know, 
all of these illnesses that are these long-term illnesses, what's at the base of them is inflammation. So you can't completely eradicate inflammation, but you want to cut down on it wherever possible. So antioxidants help with that. Omega-3 fatty acids help with that. Um, Foods like, you know, tart cherries and tart cherry juice have been shown to help um, mitigate the the, the pain that goes along with intense exercise. So there's so many things we can do. Also protein, protein becomes even more important as we age. And that's kind of troubling for the, for the elderly, because we know that they're not eating enough, but yet they don't, um, they don't process it as efficiently as younger people. So, you know, that is something to pay attention to. And then hydration, you know, that also impacts your recovery. So making sure that you're not just drinking your eight, you know, your eight, eight ounce glasses of water a day, but that you're also trying to get in fruits and vegetables that are hydrating as well. And that's, that doesn't just mean a salad. You can also have a bowl of tomato soup. That's going to also provide hydration. And and that's an important thing because when we look at the, the connective tissue and the fascia around all of our muscle fibers, that is our muscle tissue is about 70% water. And if you become dehydrated and you don't move much, the layers of your muscle, the layers of your connective tissue will actually get, get stuck together. The collagen, you know, rather than the collagen binding perpendicular in each layer, they'll buy a, bind across layers and create adhesions. So you, you kind of, you've hit the nail on the head of like a, of a kind of a cascading effect where if nutrition quality goes down, if, you know, hydration goes down and movement literacy goes down or movement um, activity, you know, level of activity in a day go down, then it significantly impacts how you move. And, and But if you're paying attention to nutrition and, and intake and all that, then I think it can really open up and, and keep people healthy. I mean, look, we have, you know, Tom Brady is, what, 39 years old? And, you know, he's famously gone vegan. And look at the level of performance, you know, he's in. You know, I mean, that's a very, I think it's a, that's an example of how changing your diet and being mindful about your diet can really have a huge impact on that. So, Francis, uh, you have what the book is Eating in Color. And what else do you have out that's uh, out in publication already? Oh, I also have uh, Feed the Belly, the Pregnant Mom's Healthy Eating Guide. And I am redoing my website. So I encourage people to, well, check it out now, but, you know, also check it out next month, too. And I also have a series on YouTube called The Milk and Honey Kitchen with Francis, where I demonstrate a lot of the recipes that I created for eating in color. So always producing content. Um, You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Francis L. Roth RD. And I'm also, um, you know, always putting out new recipes. So Definitely follow me, and uh, and I've got some tasty stuff in store. And I will have all the links and, and everything down below the show notes. Well, thank you for your time uh, this morning, Francis. I'll let you get back to it, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to catch up, and I look forward to talking again in the not-too-distant future. Awesome. It was a pleasure, Pete. Thank you. Well, hopefully you got some uh, good information out of our conversation today. As I said at the beginning of the intro, there's so much misinformation out there about nutrition and so many people have so many different f- philosophies and approaches and thoughts about nutrition that it's really hard to identify what really is the best approach to work for your individual needs. And that's why here on All About Fitness, I am really going to try to go to anytime I'm going to have somebody on to talk about nutrition, I want to make sur- sure that they have the evidence-based background because I'm not going to have somebody come on and tell you the 
only eat bananas or, or to do some kind of like grapefruit flush or eat all of your food upside down or some kind of hooey like that. I want to bring people on who, number one, are real people. So far, Francis is the uh, second RDN that I've had on the show, and both her and the first one, uh, Sohelia Digsby, not only are they registered dietitian nutritionists, but they're also moms. And now that I think about it, they're both moms to three kids. So they're coming at it from a very real, very practical standpoint of not just what the textbooks say, not just what the, the research journals say, but how do you implement this stuff into daily life? How do you make it work for you? How can you really get results from making healthier, smarter, better nutrition choices? All of Francis's contact information is down below. If you are interested um, about you know learning more about nutrition from Francis, I have the link to her YouTube page. I have the links to her books. But I've known Francis now for a long time, for maybe a little bit more than 15 years. And I really um, just have a lot of respect for what she's done, how she's evolved her career. And she's going to be the type of person who, when it comes to nutrition, I want to bring and feature on this show because I only want to bring people who are talking about the, the real stuff, the science-based stuff, the evidence-based stuff. If you want to hear you know, stuff about only eat one type of fruit or cut out this macronutrient or do this, I mean, whatever you want to believe, that's up to you. I'm not here to tell you that. I'm just here to try to bring you stuff that I know, whether it's fitness, whether it's nutrition, whether it's lifestyle. My goal with All About Fitness is to bring you the stuff that works, bring you the stuff that has been proven time and time again to be successful. That's what. That's how we're all going to get fitter. That's how we're all going to improve our health. That's how we're all going to have going to be able to achieve our best lives is if we apply what we know that works, not what somebody thinks that works, not what what might work for one individual, but evidence based information that we can put to the test and know that that it's proven and that we can get results from that. If you're finding that you like all about fitness, please do me a favor, give me a rating. Um, the the more ratings we get. The higher up we are in the in the rankings on the search engines, and the more information, the more you know, more information I can bring you, the more information people can hear about that. So please do me a favor, take a minute, just give me a rating, love it, hate it, let us know how you feel. Hopefully you're subscribing to us um, because I can guarantee you, almost every week you'll be getting some great information. I'm really excited about some of the guests I have coming up. I have some really some of the top fitness professionals in the world that uh, that you'll be able to listen to in the coming weeks. So I hope you tune in every week for a new episode of All About Fitness. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach me on Instagram, Pete MC, Pete McCall. On Instagram, it's Pete McCall, M-C-C-A-L-L, underscore fitness. On Twitter, it's Pete underscore MC. And email is Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. So thanks for tuning in. Stay fit and keep listening for another episode of All About Fitness coming up soon.